this discourse is feeble, famous, similes, how one should conduct oneself if one has really taken in the teaching and has been able to um, manifest it. These are two very, well, particularly one very famous story where it is shown that one can be hypocritical in one's behavior, but then when it becomes uh, critical, then the whole thing collapses. Um, the, uh, the, uh, this was is called the simile of the thought, which is the second story. The, uh, the first one is much longer and, uh, well, equally famous. And the Buddha tells this story. He says, formally, well, he's trying to tell the, the monk that one must abandon what is unprofitable and devote oneself to that what is profitable. And that's how one will come to the fulfillment in the Dhamma. And so he says, formerly, in this town of Savati, there was a housewife called Vidyavika. And the good name of Mistress Vidyavika had spread down. Mistress Vidyavika is kind. She's gentle and she's demure. And this Mistress Vidyavika had a maid called Kali, who was clever, nimble, and neat in her work. Now this Kali was very clever. This maid Kali thought, My lady's good name has spread back. Mr. Sudeika is kind, gentle, and demure. But how is it now? While she does not show anger, is it nevertheless actually present in her, or is it absent? Or else, is it just because my work is so neat that my lady shows no anger, so it is actually present in herself? Suppose I test her. It's nasty, isn't it? I'm going to try and find out. So, the maid Kali got up when it was daytime. And then Mr. Judica said, Hey, Kali. And she said, What is it, madam? What's the matter that you get up when it's already day? Nothing is the matter, madam. Nothing is the matter, you wicked girl. Yet you get up when it's day. And she was angry and displeased and she scowled. And then the maid Kali thought, The fact is, that while my lady does not show anger, it's actually present in her, not absent. And it's just because my work is so neat that my lady doesn't show anger, though it's actually present in her. Suppose I test her a little more. So the maid Carly got up when it was later in the day. And then the mistress said, Hey Carly, she said, What is it matter? She said, What is the matter that you get up when it's late in the day? Nothing is the matter, madam. Nothing is the matter, you wicked girl. Yet she get up when it's day, and she was angry and displeased, and she spoke words of displeasure. And then the maid Charlie thought, the fact is 
that while my lady does not show anger, it has been present in her, not acting. And it's just because my work is so neat that she shows no anger. Suppose I test my lady a little more. So the maid Carly got up when it was still later in the day. And then the mistress said, hey, Carly. She said, what is it? And she said, what's the matter that you get up so late in the day? Nothing is the matter, madam. So she says, nothing is the matter, you wicked girl. You get up so late in the day. And she was angry and displeased and she took a rolling pin and gave her a blow and broke her head. And then the maid Carly, with blood running from her broken head, denounced her mistress to the neighbor. See, ladies, the ladies, the kind ones work. See, ladies, the gentle ones work. See, ladies, the demure ones work. See how angry and displeased she was with her only maid for getting up when it was day, and how she took a rolling pin and gave her a blow on the head. And then later on, the bad name of Mistress Ridiculous Richard. Mistress Ridiculous, rough, violent, and merciless. So what the, one doesn't know whether this is a, I mean, it's said to be a real story, but what the Buddha is trying to uh, aim at is to show them what they have to do. So though he says, so too, Bhikkhu. Some Bhikkhu might be quite kind, gentle, and demure, so long as no disagreeable words touch them. But it is as soon as disagreeable words touch him that a Bhikkhu needs to appear kind and gentle and demure. I do not call a Bhikkhu easy to correct, who is only easy to correct by reason of getting robes, arms, food, and resting place, and the requisite of medicine. Why is that? Because that Bhikkhu is not easy to correct when he gets no robes, arms, food, and resting place, and no medicine as a cure for the sick. But when a Bhikkhu is easy to correct, since he honestly respects and reveres only the Dhamma, him I call easy to correct. Therefore, you should stand up. We shall be easy to correct, honoring, respecting, and revealing only the Dhamma. We should stand up. Now, people do know this, this uh, thing, uh, similar to uh, the nations of Sikhism. And so, the people do try to abide by this, actually, because they think that that would be a good thing to do, which it is. But it doesn't come from the heart. And it's still difficult. We um, naturally take a wooden pin and hit her on the head, well, that's just it. But, um, but even if one appears to have no anger and just, just uses the right word, without that uh, real uh, equanimity inside, it can still be known. The other person still knows it. So there, then the Buddha says, there are these five courses of speech that others may use when they address you. Their speech may be timely or untimely, true or untrue, gentle or hard, connected with good or with harm, accompanied by a mind of loving kindness or by inner hate. So we have five different ways, but each of the ways has two kinds. No? One is it's the right time or the wrong time, true or untrue, gentle or harsh, good or with harm, the loving time is over in our head. So when others address you, their speech may be such. 
Heimli anständig zu anziehen, den Florian, bis wieder bekam. Und wenn alles erwähnt wird, der sieht Media Company bei Mind of Loving Kindness oder Energie. But we should always train that. Our minds will remain unaffected, and we shall utter no bad words, and we shall abide compassionate for welfare with a mind of loving kindness and no inner We shall abide with a mind of loving kindness extending to that person, and with an abundant, exalted, measureless mind of loving kindness without hostility or ill will. Extending over the all encompassing universe as its supporting office. That's how you should sit. No. That's a small thing. But the Buddha doesn't say that one can do that way. He says that's the training. That we need to train that way. And if one doesn't train that way, one doesn't have a spiritual path. One remains on a worldly level, that one can't always um, be successful, for no training that one undertakes is immediately um, successful and has immediately the best results. But if one doesn't train oneself, one can forget about medicine. There's no way that meditation on its own will bring the required results. It is actually necessary that the mind is already somewhat at peace in order to have peace. So the training that one does outside of meditation is equally important. Now obviously the meditation helps us, but the training helps the meditation. They help each other. So this training that the Buddha is talking about here is the training of leaving the other person, letting the other person be with their dislike or with their hate or with their difficulty and training one's own heart. If one, one can't train somebody else's heart, it's impossible. One has enough trouble with one's own heart. So training the other person's heart so that they become nice and gentle and kind is an impossibility, it's an absurdity. If that were possible, one, everybody would have already had it because most care and food thought, and it never will. So one has to do it for oneself. So if one uh, meets up with people, and I think that there is hardly anyone in the world who doesn't meet up with people who may use speech which is um, harsh or um, actually harmful or want to do one some harm or they want to um, or they hate in it it's uh, impossible not to meet up because the world consists of that the world consists of grief, hate and believe that's what the world is like now obviously each person has the opposite they have a non-grief, a non-hate and a non-delusion but because both exist they're profitable, they're unprofitable, it's an impossibility that we don't meet it. If we don't meet the one, we won't meet the other. So all of it is there. So we can't avoid it. I would uh, imagine even sitting in a cave for the rest of one's life, uh, one would uh, meet up with the unpleasant in oneself, in one's own mind. 
One doesn't have to wait for somebody to come and do it. But if one doesn't sit in a cave for the rest of one's life, one is definitely going to meet up with that which one doesn't want to meet. The unpleasant. And here again, the, um, the references make the speak. And sleep is of great importance, the Buddha mentions it over and over again, because that is the connection that we have with other people. And it comes from one's thoughts, obviously, but it then comes out in the street. So if we meet up with it, the, the thing that one needs to train is to remain unaffected and try to realize compassion in oneself for the difficulty that the other person is under this. Nobody is unpleasant who is very happy. There aren't any unpleasant people that are happy. They might say they're happy, but it's obvious lies, because anyone who's happy is also A happy person does not have um, hatefulness. A happy person is feeling inner joy, so why should there be anything unpleasant coming out? So at that time, when it does happen, the, um, that we meet up with this sort of thing, the thing to remember is that compassion is the only thing that has any sense at that moment, because the other person is having a difficult time. So that that other person is also creating a difficult time for the other one, for ourselves, that is something that we can either protect ourselves from, if we can't handle it, it's fear and feeling, or learn this. There's only two ways. We're never going to change that other person. We might as well forget it. The only way that anybody changes is by their own. If we don't make any effort, we won't change. The other person will make efforts, they might change. But we are not going to change themselves. How can anybody change anybody else? Impossible. So there, what we are um, learning here, what we are reading here, is that we try to have a mind of loving kindness extending to that particular person. And as we have a mind of loving kindness extending to that particular person, it then extends and becomes measured and abundant. It means that we can learn to have that quality in the heart, whoever or whatever is there, extending it out to the universe, the all-encompassing universe, as its supporting object. In other words, the supporting object is then no longer that single person that we're having difficulty with, that's not the object of our loving kindness, but the loving kindness is extended to everything, and that particular person is con contained within that everything. So if we're learning proper loving kindness, it will extend everywhere. And as it extends everywhere, there's nobody extends. That's what the loving kindness is all about, and that is the kind of um, training that brings liberation of the heart. Liberation of the heart means arahantia, enlightenment. And Buddha never talks about anything else. He says how to do it. 
Now, every step on the way, even one step on the way, makes life a little easier, makes it more possible to live in this rather difficult world with more harmony and with more ease. This world has never, ever had any promises, which we think, thought it had, that it was going to make life easy for us, or it never promised that everything is going to be agreeable. Nobody gets that kind of thing uh, given to us, but we can actually attain it through our work on our own, in our own heart. We can make things harmonious, agreeable, and peaceful ourselves. We're the only ones that can do it. Nobody can do it for it. We're the ones that can do it in our own heart, and thereby it's possible that we do spread some of that around. That's possible. By the same token, if we are the opposite, we spread the opposite around. I have said this before, I'll say it again, the pollution of the environment is due to the unfriendly mind and the non-loving heart. It's not due to the affluent that comes out of the uh, um, toilet and all the rest of it. It's due to that what we do with our mind. It's the whole pollution of the environment. And the pollution of the environment, we don't even have to go into the forest, we can feel the pollution of the environment in the room. It's very easy to feel. And we, uh, this is our responsibility towards other people and our responsibility towards our environment, which are sometimes people, sometimes forests, sometimes animals, sometimes an office, sometimes a household. It's always something that's our environment and our, our duty or responsibility towards that environment is that we don't pollute it. Now, if we don't train, we continue to pollute it. And then we're surprised why things don't work the way we'd like them to. And then we're surprised why the world is so difficult. And then we're surprised why people are difficult. The only thing that I continually say that is surprising is that we should be surprised. All we need to do is look inside of ourselves and then we're expecting of the world. Because the world is nothing but a mirror for ourselves. That's all it is. It mirrors exactly what we carry around. So if we are in a desperate mood, very depressed, the world looks depressing, doesn't it? And if we're loving, yeah, and bright, and uh, joyful, yeah, so joyful world we live in. It's very simple, the whole thing. It's so simple that one wonders why isn't everybody doing it. But the reason why isn't everybody doing it is because they haven't been told. And we usually haven't got the, uh, the uh, necessary um, understanding to do it without it. It's um, the Buddha tells. So now, the mind should remain unaffected. One should abide compassionate for the welfare with a mind of loving kindness and no inner hate. Now that's the, that is the, uh, um, the uh, most important aspect of the sentence, no inner hate. 
because we can use words very well. Most people are quite adept at using all sorts of words and not to mean them. Or to be so used to thinking and talking that the words just pour out without any real feeling behind them. One can feel that quite strongly. The other person who is hearing that can feel it, knows it. So if there is inner hate and the words are, uh, if the words are not of that kind, it doesn't mean It's got to be a hot quality and a hot connection. And only when it becomes that, then the words carry that feeling with them. And the words that carry that feeling with them are then possible also sometimes to create a change. But the main thing is we change ourselves too. And this inner feeling is based upon the fact that one has examined oneself. If one hasn't examined oneself, one doesn't know what's going on in the world. The whole of the universal mind's life in this mind and body. If one hasn't examined oneself, what does one know about the world? Nothing. One is constantly standing in front of it and thinking something terrible is happening, or something wonderful is happening. But it isn't. It's all happening within us. And the, that kind of work is more important and far more profitable than any kind of work one can see for money. Money will never substitute for having a loving and peaceful heart. There is no money in the world that could ever compensate for In fact, most people work you know, to get money and then think they have no time to do this. It's absurd. And that's all day one has time. Doesn't matter where one is, one has a good deal to do it. In fact, there's far less opportunity here than there is out in the world. There's far more harsh and um, um, harmful and hateful words spoken out there than there are here. So one has far more opportunities to do something about it out there. So just because you have to go to work, doesn't mean that you have time to do it. Now the abundance, exalted, measureless, minded loving kindness without hostility or ill will, extending over the all and compassion universe as its supporting object is a description of the result of practicing that. This is no longer the first, that's the result. The training is a single moment to recognize what's going on inside, realizing that the dislike, the, uh, the rejection, the resistance, the non-compassion come out of a quality of the heart which brings only unhappiness to us. That it brings unhappiness to others is a certain right for If the other person is clever enough and has trained long enough, it doesn't hurt them. If they've trained long enough, it doesn't matter what the other person is saying, but one hurts oneself. So this kind of uh, training then results in, this is the result, the um, extending over the, the universe. And that is the kind of heart liberation which comes through the practice of loving kindness, the practice of the jhanas, then coupled with 
real equanimity always has inside of, of the um, as its space, and real loving kindness needs that too. Because we have to have the insight that whatever we see and hear is only part of ourselves. That's all it is. And if we hate it and dislike it, we're obviously hating and disliking ourselves. Now, if somebody is nasty, there's only a time element. We can nasty at other times. It just doesn't happen to be the same time. It just doesn't overlap. That's all. It's all one and the same. And then when the heart has been trained long enough and well enough, then when the, uh, the result of hearing them is either one or the other, either their compassion or their self-defense. And self-protection usually coupled with women. It was quite all right. The Buddha did not say that it was not all right. On the contrary, he recommended. We don't have to be in the company of those people whose behavior creates negative. Just like we don't have to put our head into the back. It's not good. <laughs> no, it's totally unnecessary. So, yeah, I can just visualize it. It's <laughs> No, I didn't know that. <laughs> So this is the instruction of the Buddha with, with reference to the kind of speech that we hear. And um, the, the story of this Vedevita, uh, very famous story of this Vedevita, all over the Buddhist world, and so on Buddhist world anyway, um, is just an example of the uh, hypocrisy which one, not only the Vedeta, but everybody practices as long every, as long as everything's going well. And then when it doesn't go well anymore, then all of a sudden the whole thing blows up in one face. And then one needs to really examine himself. Because only when it becomes difficult, then the change starts. There's nowhere in the world has there been made a promise that we should have it easy. On the contrary, when one has a two-inch, practice doesn't happen. This is the, the trouble with um, the, um, usually with, well, one says very often that it happens to rich people, very rich people who can buy everything, because they think they can buy everything. They can buy happiness too. They can't, of course. But they have no idea that they have to practice. So it's much better to be poor, in other words, to have difficult. Dukkha is our best teacher. It's the only one where we can't say, I've had enough, I'm going to. Dukkha always says, well, that's the best to be, but I'm comfortable. So it's our best teacher by far. It's the, in fact, it's the only 
the Buddha could teach people because they were ready for it. And uh, we can use it when we are ready. But if we're not ready, we're going to have to have one um, disagreeable um, situation after another until we're finally ready. We actually can consider our own As long as our heart is changed, any state of fate or illness, the world has to be done. Any state. Now the Buddha gives a whole lot of similes again. Suppose a man came with a hoe and a basket and said, I can make this great earth to be without earth. And he dug here and there, and he screwed here and there, and then was screwed and cut here and there, and made water here and there, saying, be without earth, be without earth. How do you conceive this, if you put that man make this great earth to be without earth? No venerable sir. Why is that? Because this great earth is deep and immense. It cannot possibly be made to be without earth rock. Eventually, the man would reach weariness and disappointment. The, the simile um, meant to show what one's reaction should be to the first kind of speech. In each of these similes, there are some more impossibilities to accept. And it will be just as impossible for someone with a measureless mind of loving kindness, measureless as the great earth, to become annoyed. People who come to annoy such a person would reach weariness and disappointment. So the simile means that the great earth is like the great loving kindness. If there's nothing left in time, no trace of ill will or hate, then of course there is no annoyance. In the beginning of suction, there is plenty of anger and plenty of hate and plenty of dislike. And then eventually it um it um, becomes it changes into irritation and annoyance. And as it changes into irritation and annoyance, it's already far less um, obstructive and it has far less impact. And then, having changed into irritation and annoyance, then the mind, the practice goes on. Eventually, the irritation disappears because it has been supplanted by equanimity and the annoyance disappears and probably changes, first of all, into preference. And as the preferences show themselves also not to be conducive to complete harmony, because one's preferences are also not always available, then even those disappear. And everything is just one. Which it is, in everything is. Because what difference does it make in the end whether somebody else can see? I mean, what difference does it make in the end? I mean, it's just a lot of noise, isn't it? And it's only there for the person who's doing it. And what difference does it make in the end 
whether somebody's getting um, unpleasant or annoyed or angry with one, because it's their problem. Now, see, this is one of the things that most people who haven't practiced long enough can't understand to really use it. It's the other person's problem. The only problem oneself has is whether there's hate and ill will and dislike and rejection and resistance and upset and worry and fear and disagreeable feelings uh, and It's all the other person. And without that, the practice just won't work. If it's always one problem, then the other person's having a problem. There's five billion of us on this planet. We won't have a moment free. Every single one of them is going to get annoyed, angry, upset at something. So if we take that on as our own, where can we ever find peace? So it's an impossibility. It's an absolute absurdity. Of course, one takes on those that are just around us. One picks out those out of those five billion that are happy to be physically available. But that's just a bit What's what? Now he, the Buddha repeats about the five causes of speech and he repeats that how one should react to you. He says well, our mind should be unaffected and then the whole thing he repeats that this. Maybe I'll read that again because it's very important. Our minds will remain unaffected and we shall utter no bad words and we shall abide compassionate for welfare with a mind of loving kindness and no inner hate. We shall abide with a mind of loving kindness extending to that person, and we shall abide with an abundant, exalted, measureless mind of loving kindness, without hostility or India, extending over the all encompassing world, universe, as it's a certain object. Now, let me give another simile. Suppose a man came with a crimson lace, a similar indigo or sunlight, with crimson or sunlight or indigo or sunlight, and said, I don't know what that is, I shall draw pictures, I shall make pictures appear on this empty space. How do you conceive these pictures? Would that man draw pictures? Would he make pictures appear on that empty space? No venerable sir. Why is that? Because the empty space is formless and invisible. He cannot possibly draw pictures, make pictures, appear there thus. Eventually, the man would reach weariness and disappointment. So again, the thing that the simile is meant to, to say that because there is the whole of the universe is formless, and it's actually invisible to us. It's, in, it's um, immeasurable. So if we had immeasurable loving kindness, it would be like, and, and would then somebody try to annoy us, it would be like drawing pictures and empty space. If we had immeasurable loving kindness, just like there is immeasurable space in the universe, there's no way that that could be used for making pictures. And he uses the same thing again about the speech and how it can react to that. 
Suppose a man came with a burning grass straw and said, I shall warm up. I shall heat up the river Ganges with this burning grass straw. It's quite interesting because well, how people made pictures in the past. They used this, um, this color, similar, and similar to yellow, isn't it? Indigo or thermite and crimson, that's red. And here they've got a grass sword. This is how you would make a fire. How do you conceive this? Would that man warm up? Would he heat up the river Ganges with the burning grass sword? No, Venable Sir. Because the river Ganges is deep and immense, it cannot possibly warm up, heat it up with the burning grass sword. Eventually, the man would reach weariness and disappointment. So again, the river is deep and immense. It can't be warmed up or heated up. You can't do it. So the same, with an immense and deep inner loving kindness, anybody tries to annoy that person, there's no way that that person could be annoyed, just like the river can't be warmed up or heated up with a burning grass. What the Buddha is trying to say with these similes is that it's all up to us. If we have this immeasurable loving kindness, nothing can happen. Nothing at all. Just like this impossibility that he's using as similes. If we haven't got the loving kindness, everything is constantly, over and over again. And in the end, we make ourselves sick, physically sick. And of course, mentally sick we are already anyway, the Buddha said. So um, we don't have to do that first. But we get physically <laughs> we get physically sick on top of it, and then we're all right. <laughs> and these people eventually are. So now again he says about the speech and how to react, and then he gives another simile. Suppose there were a cat skin bag that was rubbed, well rubbed, thoroughly well rubbed, soft silky, rid of roughness, rid of fatness. And a man came with a stick or a puncture and said, There is a cat skin bag that is rubbed and red as cattle. I shall make it rustle, I shall make it crackle. How do you conceive this because Would that man make it rustle or crackle with the stick or the puncture? No venerable sir. Why is that? Because the cat skin bag, being rubbed a little crackling, cannot possibly be made to rustle or crackle with the stick or the puncture. Eventually, that man would be grievous and disappointed. It's the same thing again. It's an impossibility. If there's loving kindness in the heart, it's an impossibility to do anything to that person. And the, mo the more that loving kindness has been captured to be all encompassing without this criminal, the easier to use it in their life. When one has a discrimination, I like these people and I don't like those, or I like all of, all of those people who meditate and I don't like those who don't, or I like all those people who uh, go to church on Sunday, or I like only people who uh, uh, live under in the country because it's better, or the people who are vegetarians, or I like them, people who have all these kinds of ideas in their life. Uh, then it's very difficult to like or have loving kindness to someone who happens to be unpleasant. But if one is training oneself to see everybody in the same light, then it doesn't make any difference. 
Buddha said in the loving kindness system that he chants every morning, just as a mother, at the risk of life, loves and protects her child, her only child, so one should cultivate this boundless love to all that live in the whole universe. Well, this is, of course, one of the best criteria, if one can use it. How do I feel about my children, and how do I feel about anybody else? Most people, there's just not even any, any hope of getting that near together. And that's what the Buddha said. Just as one loves one's own children, so everybody. And if one starts to train in that way, it becomes much easier. Because one's own children, if one has pets, one's own children, or if one can remember one's own childhood, are very often unpleasant, don't speak the right way, don't act the right way, are um, quite annoying, and uh, do things which one doesn't want them to do. And the mother keeps on loving them. Quite uh, amazingly so. Why? Because she thinks they're hurt. That's why she keeps on loving them. So why not do the same with everybody else? Everybody's annoying, everybody doesn't behave right, everybody talks uh, in a funny way, but so what? It's the same thing, especially as with one's own children, or as one was at the time. It's no different, exactly the same thing. So if one starts training in that way, it becomes much easier. Because if one has a children, one knows that one loves them no matter what they do. I mean, they will throw some paint pot over the kitchen floor while you keep on loving them. You can't help it. Even if it takes you three hours to clean it up. It, it, you know, and so with the, with the world at large, is that or worse? So that's much easier than trying to sort out which ones are like and which ones are them. To sort that out is impossible. Because everybody has their good days and they have their bad days. And some days they seem like angels, and other days they seem like they really have had a visit to the, to the devil. So, and it's the same person, outwardly anyway. Inwardly, it's a totally different person. To sort out whom I like and whom I don't like is really very, very impossible. So one could make a... The best thing to do is just make a um, um, completeness of training them hard to have that policy. And then when things happen which go wrong, the hearts are already spent. No worries. It's okay. The only thing that gives self-confidence. That is one of the greatest producers of self-confidence. It is something that, of course, some people find it easier than others. But if there is very little ill will and hate in the heart, self-confidence is abounding because the mind knows whatever happens. It's okay. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to flip my lid over. It's perfectly all right. Whatever it is. The self-confidence, second jhana, and loving time rose too. And actually, some of you may have noticed, I don't remember anymore, I told you, didn't, that second jhana, like a, very often, the loving feeling. They go together very often, not always, but very often, that the joy feeling of second jhana 
has very often that warmth of lovingness in it. Those are the two things that produce that uh, self-confidence. The self-confidence, which doesn't have anything to do with feeling for stupid or nothing at all. It just has a feeling of uh, the can't be wrong. With all the abundance of um, uh, movement in the world, some of it quite contrary to what one would like it to be, it just doesn't move. It's a feeling of rock, rock-like quality. So the cat skin can't be, if it has been well rubbed, it is pure. I'm sure that's what it's all about, curing the cat skin. And if it has been properly cured and it's all soft and silky, then you can't make it uh, rustle anymore. So it's a plenty of loving times you can't get the annoying. Now, now comes the other simile, which is uh, very famous. And there's another long story to it in the commentary, but here's only a very short bit because the Buddha again tells how to act. Even where bandits have to sever you limb from limb with a two-handled saw, he who entertained faith in his heart on that account would not be one who carried out my teaching. It's a wonderful sentence, isn't it? I wonder who can do it. Now, this is how you should train hearing. Our minds will remain unaffected, and we shall utter no bad words, and we shall abide compassionate for welfare with a mind of loving-kindness and no inner hate. We shall abide with a mind of loving-kindness extending to that person, and we shall abide with an abundant, exalted mind of loving-kindness without hostility or ill-will, extending over the all-encompassing world as its supporting object. That is how you sustain yourself. And now because you should keep this instruction, there is no other way to train oneself except to keep this stuff constantly in the mind. If we don't keep it in the mind, we can't train ourselves. There's no way. There's nobody there that's going to train us. We've got to train ourselves. Nobody will do it. I mean, first of all, everybody has enough to do with themselves and decides who's going to do this sort of thing. And even when the Buddha was there, he said, you keep it in mind, he said to the bhikkhus. He, the Buddha knew it himself anyway, he didn't have to keep it in mind. He said to the bhikkhus, you keep it in mind. Because, do you see the course of speech, trivial or gross, that you could not endure? No, venerable sir. Therefore, because you should keep this instruction of the simile of the soul constantly in mind. That will be for your welfare and happiness. That is what the Blessed One said. Because we're satisfied and we're delighted in the Blessed One's words. So, any comments, questions, commentaries? Anything? In this respect, two things to be kept in mind. The simile of the saw, which is, of course, <laughs> that's uh, asking a bit much, isn't it? And the uh, uh, loving-kindness sutta about the mother with her child. As long as we discriminate between people, we have a very uh, difficult time. And if we, But if you see people as people, and all together as people, it much becomes much easier. It doesn't uh, have the same impact then anymore. 